Welcome to the Skeptic Choir. Hello and welcome to episode 84A of the Skeptic Choir. This is the 20th of November 2012. And this is a special episode of interviews that Greg did with various persons at Skepticon 2012. Hope you enjoy it. I think it's fairly self-explanatory. Greg talks to people, people talk back. Things are said, things are heard, things are recorded, they're put up. Okay, enjoy! Skeptic War Interviews! Picture of me. No, I've got a recorder in your face. Oh. oh gosh, this is my interview. Yes, this is your interview. Fort Skepticon under the conference table <laughs> where our organizers have been taking nap this entire time. So let me, let me paint the picture for the listeners. Oh dear. Uh, what, wait, wait, what's your name again? Sorry. Micah. Micah. So we have Micah, one of the volunteer coordinators for Skepticon. Program director. Oh. Program director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's got a title. Yeah. So how'd you get him under? I'm trying to find that out. <laughs> so we've got the registration table right outside Skepticon, and you are lying under it. Um, why are you lying on the floor? Because I'm exhausted. <laughs> because I was getting a five-minute power nap before doing an interview with you. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> And then what happened? And then somebody threw a pen at me. That was not me. No, that was our director of marketing or business, Floyd, threw a pen at me. As I'm trying to do this great service of being logical and cogent for this very important interview. Well, the fact is that it's Sunday afternoon, and you guys have thrown a great conference, and I'm sure you've been up all night and working their butt off to get everything arranged, get speakers on time and all that. Yes, actually speakers are my job. Or the speaker selection, whatever. If you like a speaker, be sure to mention it in your feedback. If you didn't like a speaker, mention that. Otherwise, I'm just guessing what you like. And I'm not a good guesser. So I know you've been working like a chicken with its head cut off. What's been the best part for you this weekend? Oh, man. The best part is just how happy everyone is and how really how huggy everybody is because Skepticon's free all the attendees feel like they've gotten this gift and they're just so happy to work with you happy to talk to you everyone's just it's such an empowering experience to be able to uh, be out and not have to live a double life for a lot of the people here even if they have to go back to the community and be in the closet again at least they have this experience where they got to talk to like-minded people yes they they get to acknowledge who they are and because sometimes when you wear a mask all the time you you start to forget and this allows people to grow to help heal some of the trauma that they've experienced it's a really beautiful experience a lot of first-time attendees this year I am one of them yeah and you what you see is you just see so many smiling happy people holding hands wait a minute there's a song about that <laughs> it's actually uh, but what I really liked doing is 
simply the laid-back casual conversations or watching people gush over meeting their some speaker that just rocked their world. I haven't seen most of the talks. Most of the organizers haven't. Have you been underneath the table the entire time during no, all the talks? No, okay. I've been dealing with taking care of business. What was going to happen eventually is we're going to have a watch party, and the Skepticon organizers are finally going to get to watch Skepticon. <laughs> Well, you guys have put on a great conference, and thank you for all the work you've done. Give it a couple days, rest up, and then you can start planning next year. Oh, it's already in the works. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. The fun never ends. I'll see you around. All right. Get some sleep. Skeptic <laughs> Interview. So I'm sitting here with the Murbacks, a husband and wife team out of Florida who are starting up um, some new skeptically, atheistly themed businesses. I've known these guys for a couple years at least, and I'd like you guys to tell me about what, what your businesses are and why they're atheistically, skeptically themed. Why don't we go? All right, Ken, Ken first. So, so much about ladies first. All right, go ahead, Ken. So you have your business, which is what? Yeah, yeah. my business is Folium Natural Oils. The website is foliumoils.com. What I discovered was, okay, well, a little backstory. I had been selling therapeutic essential oils for years and eventually you know, you know, came into skepticism and found out that they basically don't do anything other than smell good. So one day I was looking through my inventory and going, wait a minute, that's food, that's a spice, that's an herb. So I did a little research, found a company that sells uh, culinary essential oils. And I got a base eight, and I'm now selling culinary essential oils. They are highly concentrated food, essentially. And since they're made, actually steam distilled from the fresh plant material, you get the taste of fresh for the cost of dry. And so I went, wow, I found something that I can do with essential oils that's not woo-woo fluffy bunny. <laughs> so you, get, you actually found an ethical reason to sell essential oils. I found, yeah, you know, so I found a use for them that actually does something. It tastes awesome. So I, I know some of the samples you have, which is like a, a brownie, where it's just your average generic brownie mix, but you drop in a couple of, uh, you can tell me what you put in there. Yeah, but. yeah. I made a 9 by 13 pan of brownies. I added three drops of peppermint essential oils and flavored the brownies. Yeah, you can taste the peppermint because it's that concentrated. I also did a pretty generic blueberry muffin mix, added two drops of lemon essential oil, and you can taste the lemon. It's incredibly concentrated and, and, and incredibly inexpensive and convenient because you have the convenience of dried, but since it's liquid, you put it in and you don't need to wait for anything to simmer. Right. So, like, you know, so for example, if you're making spaghetti sauce, put in a few drops of, say, oregano or basil. At the end, once it's hot, mix it in, you're ready to serve. Cool. Well, good luck. Why don't you tell the listeners your website again? All right. Yeah, I'll do it slowly since I did it kind of quick at the beginning. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's foliumoils.com. And actually, folium is Latin for foliage, which is why we chose it. Very cool. Good luck, Ken. Thanks. And now we turn to Maria. 
So you're you're not you're not taking a a, a woo product and turning it into something just ethical and normal. You're taking a regular product and making it very skeptical. So yes. what have you got for us? I have gourmet chocolates from my my company ApopheniaCandies.com, and I get the gourmet chocolate from a company that's been using the same family recipe for over a hundred years and I just warm it until it's nicely melted and pour it into custom molds and right now we have uh, Croco Ducks we have Dawkins A's we have Darwin Fish and we have our mascot the Pegasus Sounds like a, a great thing to have if you've got a, like a skeptical or atheist themed party Festivus is just coming up you just put all those out in bowls and you say oh yay we're having skeptical foods and keep that theme that way exactly uh, and um, people can also call us to order custom chocolates if they're interested in doing a fundraiser for their organization because we have an in-house sculptor our youngest son John Powell uh, who does all the all the mock-up work for us very cool so you've got four designs right now have you got anything else planned for the future? What's your next idea for what you want to do? Okay, I have three different ideas. The main one that's in development right now is Randy Candies. It's <laughs> a bust of James Randy done in chocolate. And we'll be donating part of the proceeds from those sales to the JREF. Now, other ideas I have is I'm going to be adding dark chocolate next year. So you'll be able to get dark chocolate croco ducks and everything else. Plus, I'm getting some peanut butter chocolate, which is it's literally chocolate that has had the peanut butter mixed in with it, and I'm going to, to, to take the hollowed out part of the, uh, the evolved fish and put the peanut butter in there. So you get mil the milk chocolate and the peanut butter and it's going to be nami. <laughs> Very cool. So just to wrap things up all together, is there ever a point where the essential oils are going to be put into the chocolate to make it, you know, kind of a Reese's Pieces kind of combination of flavors? Yes, because eventually I, that's part of next year's experimentation, along with the uh, peanut butter bacon bonbons that I'll be working on. <laughs> All right, so uh, website again and name of the company? ApotheniaCandies.com Good luck, Maria. And I'll see you guys at the next conference. Definitely. Skeptic One Interview so I'm sitting here with Phil Ferguson, who I've known for many years at the Skeptical Movement, many, many years ago in Chicago and all that. Um, he is of the Skeptic Money blog, skepticmoney.org. Skepticmoney.com. It was somehow a hard question. I'm not quite sure why. Because uh, <laughs> it's been a full weekend. Of yeah, well, my blog has had so many problems because the, the volume spiked and my old hosting company, as of last week, couldn't handle 
handle the volume and it kept shutting down and causing problems. So I just switched hosting companies. So it's still skepticmoney.com, of course, but hopefully everything runs really smooth and everybody can get in and see all the stuff they want without any problems. So I assume skeptic money, you talk a lot about financial issues and being skeptical about... That's a very reasonable, if inaccurate, assumption. Um, one of the thoughts was every week I would have a, a post about investing, like why mutual funds, why index mutual funds, stocks versus bonds, what type of life insurance should you get, should you refinance your home, and which snake oil salesman to invest right. in. Yeah. And I do those posts from time to time. The, the difficulty I have is those posts often require a little more research. I feel a great compulsion to be very accurate and very correct when I talk about investing stuff. It's very important. Uh, when I talk about a religious topic, it's very easy for me to pontificate and just give my opinion and say what I want to, and I can make a post in a much shorter amount of time. Well, it's not like PZ or Phil Plate do astronomy or biology right. articles all the time, so right. it's so, to be well, forgiven. Well, one of the things I read somewhere is that don't have just one one single topic for a blog because it can be very kind of boring. You know, you don't want 50 subjects, so you want two or three, and usually it's skepticism, atheism, occasionally money. Sometimes during the political season, I'll go and rip somebody, especially if they bring religion into it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's usually pretty much just an atheistic blog, skeptical blog. Uh, a lot of atheistic blogs won't go into homeopathy and psychics and stuff like that, and I'll go in that area too. So it looks like here in the hallway today at Skepticon, you guys got your own recording going. We're, we're in the middle of a two-hour live performance, live uh, live remote, live remote, that sounds sexy, for the Pink Atheist Podcast, and we have two hours of airtime, and uh, unfortunately, we just ran into a point where we had only a hundred, an hour and 20 people to speak, <laughs> so now we're not sure what we're going to do. I, I think we may play a few recorded things. And well, you can also do something like, you know, have recorders around, and just what, whoever's left in the hotel, just sit in a room and talk. Well, we could, yeah. but, but we're live. Oh, right. You yeah, do, yeah, yeah. You're, you're all newfangled and shit. Hey, <laughs> hey Jimmy, you want to throw in a recording? <laughs> Jimmy's got it under control. I can chill. We're recording, but of course, we're streaming live, and it's uh, Blog Talk Radio, Pink Atheist. And I'm not sure exact web address, so Google it. Use the <laughs> magic of the Google to save yourself the, the trouble of typing out some big, long string of characters. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, the Pink Atheist, or on skepticmoney.com and the right bar, the right sidebar, you can go about halfway down, there's a 300 by 300 pixel ad for the, the Pink Atheist and you can click on that as well if you're already on Skeptic Money. And you guys do live shows kind of, is that every week? Or? Every show we do is uh, 3 to 5 Central, 4 to 6 Eastern and it's live and it's call in. So we've got a couple of unique things. We have three hosts. My uh, co-host, the, the founder and creator of the Pink Atheist podcast because she loves pink, Rachel John Johnson, and then she found uh, Jimmy Williamson, and he started helping her. And around episode three, they stumbled across me on Facebook and asked if I'd like to uh, be on the show. And I said, uh, sure, I love shameless self-promotion. So I came on the show and helped out. And our main objective is to promote the atheist, secular, humanist, free thought movement. We don't get engaged in the battles back and forth between different people. We want to lift all boats, so we want all people to get promoted. And if they're doing something that not everybody likes, we don't care. Somebody's going to like what they're doing, and so we are happy to promote them. It's like that. It's it's great that we have such a 
bigger and bigger movement because we have more diversity of shows, of blogs, of all that sort of thing. So there's something for everybody. And it sounds like that's your main goal to just push all of that. Well, yeah. And, and since we're here at Skepticon 5, you're doing this fantastic recording right here live. We're, we're, we've got a speaker talking, so it's kind of quiet. But this event is growing like crazy. And it's spawned multiple other events. Within a four-hour drive of here, there's at least eight different con- annual conventions that now happen. Whereas six years ago, there was zero. And the original fear people had is that if you start adding more conventions, you're just going to spread out the number of people. No. They all keep getting bigger because people are coming out of the woodwork. And when I asked during my talk Saturday morning how many people here were here for the first time, over half the hands went up in the air. People come for the first time and they know that they are not alone. They are know that they're not the weird one. It's the people around them. And, and that's very powerful for us to do. Very cool. Great. Well, good luck with continued luck with your blog because it sounds like it's getting slowly but surely more popular. It's, it's getting more popular and that's good in some ways and bad <laughs> in some because it takes a little more time and effort. A little but, bit more responsibility. Yeah, but Greg, and, thank you so much for your yeah. time. I appreciate yeah. it greatly. And thank you for doing a little bit with me on your podcast. Thanks. It helps everybody out. Great. All right. See you later. Bye. Skeptic I'm sitting here with Teresa McBain, and uh, she is a former Methodist preacher. If you haven't heard her story, go find a YouTube video of her coming out as an atheist at the 2012 American Atheist Convention in in D.C., Bethesda, Maryland. Um, I I happen to have been able to be there myself. It was an incredibly emotional experience. I really appreciated it, and um, congratulations. Thank you. How how has the last six or seven months been for you? incredible, uh, amazing, difficult, uh, wonderful, terrible, uh, everything in between. Everything in between. Yeah, it, it's really been a roller coaster for me. I came out, I was so excited and elated. The atheist community really just amazed me with their love for me and uh, went home and didn't get quite the same response from my community. So uh, spiraled downward really quick into depression over losing friendships and family members. And uh, But then picked it right back up because the atheist community was right there for me and, and helped me through. And um, Some people talk about atheists as if we don't have that sort of support I know. groups. <laughs> yeah. But I think it lasts in the last couple of years, especially with internet communities, that's really helped you out. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that was internet kind of people just sending you support messages oh. and how many of it was in person? Hundreds. Hundreds yeah. of support messages. Hundreds of Facebook posts and tweets and private messages. I, one day, uh, months ago, I was having a really, really bad day and I just went back and counted and there were 237 different private messages of people checking on me. People that most of them I hadn't met in person or it was at the convention and you know I met so many people I didn't remember them. Because I think you did a NPR piece where you went back mm-hmm. and you drove past the church but just could not go in. Nope. I mean just your, um, your coming out story at the convention was so emotional and I think you made some quip about you know not all you guys are crying or something and 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 my I was the one who yelled out oh yeah really oh you're the one yes I'm that one the, the you know because it's it's it hits different people on an emotional level I was lucky enough to grow up in northern New Jersey where when we went to a Baptist church it was just pretty much the same thing as a Presbyterian church so it wasn't a big deal it, it was surprising me to later in life how how hateful some people can experience life 
time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you've come, been able to get past that because yeah. you're working with American Atheists now. I'm working now. with American Atheists now. I'm the public relations director actually living in New Jersey, in Cranford, New Jersey, which is almost northern New Jersey. Yep. I, nice up, place, though. Yes, beautiful. I grew up in Ridgewood, and it's oh, not yeah. okay. nothing about Jersey Shore or... I know. I was so surprised at that. <laughs> I, uh, when I went up to interview, that was my only image of Jersey. <laughs> And I was really pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yes, it's a beautiful place. Everybody should go visit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, any big things coming up from you? I know that kind of the convention season is starting to yeah. die down a bit and give you a little bit of relax. Is there something big that you've got on your plate coming up soon? Yeah, yeah, I am I'm actively writing. I have a publisher. There will be a book sometime next year. I don't know when. It depends on how hard I work over the next couple months. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely uh, a book is in the works. And then, of course, as soon as the year, New Year starts, we have American Atheist Convention coming up, Women in Secularism, and all the others, you know, all the way through to Skepticon again. I'm looking forward to it. And so I just wanted to thank you for coming out, having that bravery, and being someone that other people who have been in religion can relate to. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So I'm sitting here with Daryl Ray, author of The Guide Virus and Sex and God. Introduce, say hello. Hi, guys. So, Daryl, we were interviewed a co- you a couple weeks ago, so I'm actually not going to interview you. Oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> but you're doing okay? I'm having a blast. Uh, I really enjoyed giving that talk in there. <laughs> it always Great audience, I tell you. <laughs> always goes over well. Yeah. All right, good to see you again, Daryl. You too. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. I'm doing well. Good. So I'm sitting here with Lauren. I don't know her last name because I only met her a couple days ago. Oh my god, I thought you were cool. Oh no, no, we are not the cool kids. We're from Texas. So. Um, yeah, I remember now. I'm sorry. That's so I recognize you from being the MC of the event, going up and introducing all the speakers this weekend. Yes. But you do more than that. Yes, I do. I do more than dance around on stage like a performing monkey, essentially. I've, I'm the co-founder and I'm also an organizer of Skepticon. My job title is nebulous because I do a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I've been involved since the beginning and I've done a lot of stuff and things. I'm sure you think the weekend's gone well, but yes. what do you think has been kind of the best part of this Skepticon as opposed to maybe other other years? Well, this year has been even bigger and better than we could imagine. We did workshops for the first time this year and I didn't think anyone would come to them because they started at 10 a.m. on Friday. I thought surely people will wait till after work to drive here. No, I was wrong. Standing room only. Yes. Every workshop was full. Very cool. And we also did live streaming for the first time this year. We have a, a live feed of the stage going to the internet so anyone can watch if they can't come. And that's also going to be available later on in YouTube uploads, we, that yes, sort of thing. Yes, we're having it filmed by our filmographer, Rob, and he will put them up on YouTube. So even if you can't make it all the way out to one of these events, maybe travel plans are a problem, you can still take part in a great free event like this, where the important thing is to bring the community together and inform people and excite people about getting involved. What what got you involved in the first place? Uh, shenanigans? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really what it is. I mean, JTN... Someone tricked you into it. No, I, I mean, I wasn't tricked, but it was definitely a love of shenanigans that started this whole activism thing. 
JT and I met in undergrad, and we, we were in the Flying Spaghetti Monster group on campus. We terrorized campus ministers that came to tell us we were going to hell, and we just kept doing bigger and better things. And eventually, one of them got very popular, and that was Skepticon. So we kept doing it. Very nice. Yes. What, what is the kind of thing that you'd like to do better next... Well, not better, but maybe bigger or additional next year? Uh... Gosh. Besides get some sleep between then and now. Yes. Sleeping and eating are very important. I should probably do that. I, you know, we've been talking about next year, and I, nothing really stands out that I can remember because my brain is at half capacity right now. But we want to have, I think, different talks. Like, we did some half hour and hour long talks, and we, I think we should do more of the switching it up because hour after hour gets monotonous. So I think we're going to throw in a couple half hour Maybe well, what I really want to do is have a, like a couple local people come in and we have like a free mic thing and they get like five minutes to give us an amazing speech or something <laughs> like that. But that would be cool, but it's pretty hard to control. Kind of com- bring in a little bit of a Skepticamp model to the big conference. That's, there's already a model for that. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. That was Skepticamp. Well, uh, Skepticamp is the idea of everybody who comes has to participate somehow. Oh. So everybody either gives a talk or makes sure their sodas or does the registration so it's not just the people up on stage talking to everybody else everybody is involved and knows everybody so it's a big sharing thing but holy crap this is local people who Skeptic just want to come the biggest skeptic camp ever <laughs> we didn't even realize <laughs> you heard it first yeah here. i know right <laughs> Well, I did notice that you guys only had one panel this weekend. Was yeah. that a conscious choice or just how things worked out with what speakers you were able to arrange? Yeah, panels and debates are tricky to have at conferences because they're either really great or everyone hates them. It doesn't seem to be like an inter- intermediary or anything. Yeah, I've heard that myself. <laughs> yeah. So when we did, we've done debates before, and it was important in the beginning, I think, because the community had never had a debate about the existence of God or that sort of thing. But nowadays, uh, yeah, panels, see, they're exciting. Like the death panel last year, awesome. And um, we wanted to try and replicate the awesomeness. We'll see if we did that. <laughs> it, yeah, it's hard to force those kind of issues. Yeah, we need to, we're going to get a survey out in the next week or so to get feedback from everyone who came about what they liked, what they didn't like, and suggestions, comments. So everything people can find eventually for next year is going to be Skepticon.org. Yes, Skepticon.org is our website. That's where you can donate, check it out, see what we're doing. And even if you can't come, it's great to give a little so that people who can make it, maybe students who need that additional help in the in the Midwest, can can come out to an event like this where they can't maybe can't afford the amazing meeting or, or Dragon Con. Yeah, our conference is, I guess, special in a way in that we are free. Like you don't have to pay to get in as long as you can get here. You can sit down with the speakers and 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 watch them talk. And it's, uh, it turns out you need money to pay for things. So every dollar donated to Skepticon goes to the event, goes to bringing in speakers, paying for the venue, and getting name tags and just stuff yeah. like that. And it adds up pretty quickly. And all of the volunteers, you know, they, they aren't paid. We, we all have full-time jobs. We go to school full-time. And we do this in our spare time because we find it very worthwhile. And so if you like us, if you want it to keep going, then we need donations, essentially. Great. Well, good luck next year. And uh, thank you for joining me, Lauren. No problem. Lauren, no last name, because you never mentioned your it's last Lauren name. Lauren Lane. I don't think we, yeah, we got distracted by other things. It's something shiny past. I and think it was something about Texas, <laughs> actually. 
I, then I apologize having living in Texas. <laughs> Damn it, Texas. <laughs> cool. Thank you and have a good day. You too. Skeptic Wire Interview. I'm sitting here with uh, Jeffrey, who's one of the executive director of the uh, Skepticon organizing committee. And so what does that really entail, being an executive director? Do you sit around and make other people do stuff? It, I get a boardroom, and I get to tell people to, to go and file this for me. No. Uh, it, it's a lot of work. Basically, there is a lot of paperwork involved in putting on a conference. I, I signed a lot of contracts and had to renegotiate a lot of different prices for things, trying to make sure that we could get the best deal that we could for what we were looking for. Um, keeping prices down is something that I was I took on with this project. I also um, had some ideas that I wanted to bring in. Some of the different changes to this year's Skepticon were ideas that I had brought in and were enacting. Like what? Uh, well, this year we started off with some workshops. We weren't sure how popular they were going to be, but it's something that I wanted to try and, and try to see how interested the community was. We noticed that a lot of people were interested in being a part of Skepticon and, and say they had something to say. So we wanted to try to see if there was an opportunity that we could allow them to, to get their message out there as well. Good. Cool. So uh, being a lot of people who actually make it out to a conference may not know all the behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on. What do you think is the biggest thing that that people don't know about what goes on behind the scenes in a conference? It's chaos. <laughs> I mean, uh, whenever it comes down to it, you can plan for months or even a year like we do, and when it comes down to the end, there's going to be things that go wrong that you cannot plan for. For example, just one of the biggest difficulties is volunteers. Every single person that helps out with Skepticon is a volunteer, and some of them devote their entire weekends and sometimes things happen like an alarm not going off and we have to we have to anticipate things like that. One situation that we had this year was some confusion on scheduling. We had a speaker who was supposed to come in. They were actually supposed to be second second in the lineup and his schedule got completely thrown off. And so we had to try to figure out a way to re rework with the tickets. He got that all set up. We moved his schedule around and then even though we got everything set we somehow missed to add an extra day onto his already reserved rooms. <laughs> but that being said, it wasn't a big problem. Uh, we were able to get the room set up for him. So for you guys, the the, the ability to improvise helps a lot. Oh yeah, no, I actually uh, I have an improv background. Oddly enough, I was a technical director at an improv theater here in Springfield for five years, and so I was used to people saying, "Hey, we want to do this. Can you set it up?" And you had to go yes and <laughs> got it you've taken improv classes I've, I've, I've listened to enough comedians and I do improvisational music gotcha. so you got to work with what you're, you're you're going with you can't just say no you can't play that yep. you know it's like we just have to get things going to get the conference going exactly to, to just keep this locomotive moving certainly and the, one of the I, I think my improv experience actually lends heavily to running a convention because when it comes down to it 
it, we don't want to say no to any idea. We want to say, how can we do it? And so coming into this, there was a lot of ideas that we didn't end up taking. And it's not because we, there's no way to. It's that it wasn't feasible right now. With that being said, we have a lot of ideas for next year, things that we're looking at, things that we want to do. Can you tell us any of them? I have one that I am dead set that I, I absolutely want to do. I'm not going to say the name of the individual who may be running it. Jello Wrestling. No, not no, Jello not Wrestling. wrestling. Not okay. Um, but we've had a speaker in the past who ha- does a lot of uh, paranormal things and investigations. And we also have a location here in town um, that is known as a haunted castle. One of the things that we're hoping, and we'll, we'll see if this happens, is to do guided ghost tours with the speaker. And so uh, we've got to get all the details worked out, and we have to make sure that the the location is, is up for it. Um, but that's definitely something that, that we'd love to do, have guided ghost tours throughout, like, Friday afternoon for Skepticon 6. So that's made it, you know, kind of like this year where you had the workshop panels and some movies going on. It's not just sitting there and listening to a speaker. No. It makes it a more well-rounded experience. Exactly. The A lot of the organizers come from a theatrical background. Myself, Micah, um, our stage manager, Blythe, we all have that understanding that theater adds a certain amount of flair to a situation. So, with that background, we know what kind of things people are interested in, and we know how, how to set up activities along those lines. And so, the guided ghost tours, I think, is a, is a great idea, in my opinion. And I would love, if we can get this certain speaker to, to assist us with it, I, I'm going to be the first one on the tour. So. <laughs> well, great. Um, well, let the listeners know your name again, and do you want to pimp anything of your own, a blog or a podcast? Or uh, My name's Jeffrey Marcus. I'm the executive director of Skepticon, and I hope you all make it to Skepticon 6. So the important thing is Skepticon.org. Skepticon.org, you got it. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot. Have a good day. Yeah. I didn't press the button twice. I'm an idiot. So. No problem. I'm an idiot, too. Now we are recording. I see a red light and everything. I'm sitting here with Keith Lowell Jensen, a very funny comedian who performed last night at the uh, uh, Skepticon uh, Saturday night events. And you're in the uh, Sacramento, San Francisco area. Yes, I am. But you also tour nationally. Yes, I do. You, uh, w- what are some of the tour names you t- you've, you've gone through? Because some of them were a little confusing that you do. You know, one is like, well, yeah, obviously you're an atheist comedian. And others like, what are you doing with those folks? <laughs> well, yeah, I did a tour called the Coexist Comedy Tour that me and a uh, Hindu friend of mine put together. And it's called the Coexist Tour. Did I already say that? Um, <laughs> and uh, that was fun. It was, uh, you know, I got to out with a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Jew, a Christian, and, and a Hindu. No Mormons? And uh, No, no Mormons. Um, we had Bent Washburn do a set with us once. Um, if you're not familiar with Bent, it's spelled B-E-N-G-T. 
and he grew up Mormon and he's absolutely hilarious and what's interesting about Bent is I could put him in a room like this and they would love him but he could also perform in Salt Lake City for a bunch of Mormons and they would love him he's you know very cool much gentler than I am you, you at least for us you did a lot of atheistic material yeah do you focus on that primarily or do you kind of like 50-50 it depending on the crowd oh, sometimes less than 50-50 I mean when I go into a club I figure I'm doing a lot by just mentioning that I'm an atheist and doing one or two jokes as far as any sense of, of outreach I think I actually do a better job of that if I make it clear that I'm an atheist but then hit on a bunch of common ground that we can all laugh at <laughs> uh, so I make a bond we all have a good time together they know they just had fun with an atheist you know so sometimes it may be just my closing joke will be the, the atheist knock knock joke so you get the, the that they agree with you oh this guy's funny he's cool he's cool he's nice he's not an asshole right oh he's an atheist that messes with my preconceptions right exactly and that's I mean I like to think that I'm doing that um, and really that's what it comes down to is is this material that someone outside of the atheist community would enjoy not that I'm as much afraid of their prejudices or whatever as they may not have geeked out on this stuff the way we have a lot of times if I'm talking in front of a crowd who people say a religious crowd but it's like most religious people aren't that into it they're religious because their parents were religious and they haven't necessarily read the Bible and they don't necessarily know what I'm talking about <laughs> you know they haven't read the, all the stories about what you know uh, Lot did with his daughters afterwards exactly kind of stuff. if you put me up in front of a crowd of Lord of the Rings fans I could riff on Lord of the Rings for I'm sure 30 to 40 minutes I, I won't yeah. do that to a mixed audience <laughs> you know right. and I was I was at the punchline in San Francisco doing a set and I went into a bit I call Lord of the Rings racism <laughs> and I had a table of six that were just dying they were loving it and the rest of the audience was pretty quiet so I turned to that six and I said my people and they said yeah and I was like it hurts to be away from the screen and the keyboard doesn't it you know yeah. and then I said look I can do 20 more minutes of Lord of the Rings and this old woman in the front row goes please don't <laughs> like, okay okay so you know I try to give them something that's that's common that we can all share I mean that's that's my point in being there you know I noticed last night you're pretty comfortable doing crowd work of not sticking to just your preset kind of yeah set list of you're, you're gonna make a joke about what's going on and riff on that if you can yeah I like to show people that I'm there that I'm present I'm in the room I'm not just a recording I really do like to do my written material and I've put a lot of work into it and rethought it and rewrote it and you know but it's also nice to be able to break up a little bit and, mm-hmm. you know it, it's funny too like I don't like hecklers but you know last night a guy in the audience just responded strongly to something where he was just like fuck yeah or something you know? <laughs> I, I don't mind that because it was a natural response but I had to respond to him also because something happened in the room you were able to take it and run with it as yeah. opposed to it being a barrier to great now I have to figure out how to dig out of this hole right right and mostly you do that just by getting loose with the audience where respond to them as you would if one of your friends went fuck you yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I didn't ask if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast. Fuck I just yeah. assumed. Okay, good. Watch okay. your fucking language. All right. <laughs> so, um, being someone who does secular material, I know you do a bunch of other stuff, but we don't care about that. Um, what What has been your best experience with someone, maybe from the audience, coming up afterwards about the fact that you do religious-based humor from an atheist point of view? It was really fun having a guy come up to me in Winnemucca, Nevada, which is a little tiny town. 
I was playing at Winner's Casino, which is the most ironically named place on the planet. <laughs> well, at least you weren't playing a coffee shop or something right. or a sports bar in front of the football hey, game. Hey, I host a show at a coffee shop. It's my favorite venue. <laughs> Oops. Okay. <laughs> Inner city, baby. It's hip. Uh, so, so, so you were in Nevada. Let's I'm get off of that. <laughs> Forget I said anything. I'm performing at Winner's Casino, and I could see that this one guy was sort of the leader of his group, you know. So I started talking to him, and I asked him his name, and his name was Chicken. And I said, how'd you get the name Chicken? And he said, I had a pet turkey when I was a kid. And I said, that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> like, how'd you get the name Atari? I really like playing football. <laughs> uh, but he comes up to me afterwards, and he goes, you really an atheist? And I said, I am. And he said, I never met an atheist before. And I said, pretty wild, huh? You want to get a picture with me? And he goes, yeah! <laughs> So they do exist. take a picture, and he's like, oh, man, I'm going to show everybody my picture of me with an atheist. And I'm like, wow, that it's that alien of a thing, you know? You can always say that you know of. You, you know, Exactly. He, I'm sure he's met thousands of atheists. Well, and but. I bet he found that out when he showed that picture of him being cool with someone that was an atheist and him being friendly about it, you know? So I thought that was a, that was a really good thing to have happen, you know? That, And his was a sincere interest. It was like, whoa, you're an atheist? That's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it wasn't like, oh. Because I get a lot of, oh. Yeah, sometimes you get that that first kind of initial, like, I'm going to bring my preconceptions into the conversation. But usually, most of the time, we don't get the, you know, punch you in the face kind of, you know, your evil reaction that most of us are afraid of. I'm a little upset that I haven't been punched in the face yet. (laughs) I love you've seen the video of Jim Jeffries getting punched in the face. It rings a bell, yeah. Dude dude runs on stage and nails him. And then uh, my friend Cheese was chased off of the stage by a guy, another comic even, who wanted to kill him for offensive things he was saying. <laughs> so I want my moment. <laughs> It'll get you some notoriety. I went and saw Bill Hicks. I actually got to see Bill Hicks perform, which is huge. Right. I wasn't even a comedian yet. Or, or that into comedy. I got free tickets to the cafe where I worked. And so I went to see Bill Hicks and he was doing some pretty racy material. And a really large black man stood up in the front row and hit Hicks jumped away from him against the back wall of the club. And the man looked at Hicks, and Hicks looked at the man. The whole audience got quiet. And the Hicks goes, you're just getting up to use the bathroom. And the guy goes, yeah. And Hicks goes, okay. (laughs) We all laughed in relief. And then Hicks goes, I've been hit a time or two. (laughs) I can't imagine why. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty neat. And again, I haven't been hit. Yeah, I try to be offensive in a sneaky way, which is to say I don't really try to be offensive. But the things that I have to say that would be offensive to some people, I, I don't sugarcoat them, but I do like to make them think about it. I, I you know, I don't know. I, I care about not just preaching to the choir all the time. And there's some people who don't. I mean, Doug Stanhope will tell you. Like, I don't give a shit. He, he says religious people aren't welcome at his shows, which to me is like, really? But, I, you know, I'm cool with it. <laughs> he likes to preach to the choir. He likes to right. talk to other atheists and encourage them and give them, you know, a little hurrah. And, and he's yeah. critical, too. I watched him tell a bunch of atheists, we need to do more, like yeah. public service. And he had a great plan. He said, we're all going to start drinking, and the first one to pass out uh, is going to wake up on a plane to the third world with a stack of Richard Dawkins books. <laughs> <laughs> Some beans. <laughs> you know? Okay. Oh, no, he said hot sauce, because he's like, they could just follow the guys handing out the rice and be like, hey, you want a little, little flavor for that? And, uh, hey, read this. <laughs> Fuck the other guy gave you his bullshit. <laughs> you get the hot sauce even if you don't read it. <laughs> right. You get the hot sauce first. No, no conditions. 
Well, Keith, it's been a pleather. A pleather. I'm vegan, so I appreciate that. <laughs> it's been a long fucking weekend. I hear you. It is a been. Oh, for crying out loud! It has been a pleasure talking with you. Cool, nice talking. Keith with Lowell you. Jensen, and uh, give us your your social media, your website, all oh, that well, crap. Keith Lowell Jensen on Facebook and Twitter. Keith Lowell on Twitter. Um, Rockass.net is my website, and on YouTube, for some reason, I'm K L F L Y. KL Fly. Gotcha. And you've got a couple CDs, DVDs, and I think you got come yeah, something have, coming out soon. I have the Coexist Comedy Tour documentaries coming out in January, and uh, I have um, Elf Orgy, which is my new CD, coming out on Stand Up Records. It'll be on Amazon and iTunes and all the rest. That comes out in uh, within the first two weeks of December sometime. Yeah. We're locking down the exact date. Perfect. Just in time for uh, Newtonmas. Yes. <laughs> I really encourage people to buy it to, for Christian friends for Christmas. Uh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> All right, good luck, Keith. Thank you. Skeptic Wire interview. Robin. Alrighty. So in the last interview, I said last but not least, but now we de- well, we definitely have last but not least. Now it's definitely least. Yes. Well, the one and only George Rob. <laughs> oh, hi. Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Nice to be here again. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, how was how your Skeptic on? That was great. It was great. It was really uh, inspiring to see this demographic in terms of the, the youth, the youths out there. <laughs> so, no, it's really nice. It's, it's normally, I've gotten, I've gotten used to skeptical events being, you know, of a certain demographic that's older. And in the last five years or so, that's changed. And I think the most drastic example is here. It's great. I mean, it's, it's a vast majority are people under 30. Which is just you don't see that at least not in what, I, what I'm used to. I don't, I don't expect that, and uh, it's great. It's so I don't know encouraging, and it sort of points towards bullets towards the future in a really fun, positive way. It, it helps a little that it's a free event, but I think Absolutely. one of the best parts is you've got Dragon Con on the East Coast, Nexus on the East Coast, Tam on the West Coast. Right. Something really big right in the middle for yeah. people who really kind of need it. Right. The Square State thing, and the fact that it's free as well, which yeah. is so honorable and awesome and really difficult to do. Tough to pull off. Tough to pull off. And they pull it off with a plum and a peach, so it's great. (laughs) And you at least, you got to perform Friday night, so you got to just relax the rest of the weekend. Yeah, very rare for me. Very rare to kind of do my thing and then not be on any panels or no other conversations or other things apart from the occasional interview with with fine people (laughs) like yourself. Um, So yeah, to just kind of be here and observe was really fun. Really fun. So is 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 it's it's true false seven red blue you're not helping <laughs> is this the uh, the last kind of conference for a while for you guys it seems like things die off in the November December time yeah I think so I think the next thing for me will be Nexus which will be springtime I guess at some yeah. point but uh, yeah I don't know anything else coming up directly so we're just fine it's the holidays come you know we have to do our pagan best to celebrate <laughs> with our green evergreen trees and stuff so yeah it'd be nice to not to have to travel yeah. every weekend yeah. <laughs> for yeah. a little while yeah. Well, I'm um, going to wrap up just a little quickly. I, I think every
everybody knows geologic.com and podcast.com yep. yeah and, and and all that but I'd like to invite you back on the show maybe sometime in the future because in our show we do a monthly-ish song challenge depending on how life gets in the way right. where we talk about either a new theme or including three specific lyrics like last month we did you had to use the words Alfred Hitchcock okay. United Nation Days and Splanknocranium which is the facial bones wow our third podcaster who doesn't do music she's an anthropologist okay. so she really loves those kind of oh, right. those terms to throw in at us so we'd like to invite you to join us in the song challenge when fun. you can that sounds fun yeah. and you know, what was the name of the song that you wrote for that um, I wrote a rather depressing song called Holding On Holding On okay. about how um, you know you've, you've got a belief how long are you going to hold on to that okay. and you know, you know you're, how long are you going to hold to a bad dream that's right. the Alfred Hitchcock part oh okay how long are you going to hold on to um, an idea like United Nations are out to get you okay so granted it was about a bad breakup I just said of course which they all are yes but fortunately yes. my brain the next day the day after I finished the lyrics to a nice and depressing song right. thought up um, a song about Elise Anders and vaccination okay. called Happy Sloth great so it was all about <laughs> it's a good idea to get vaccinated good. and it's a nice kind of jug band happy tune see so. that's how it works yeah. you, get those, you get those negative things out through your art <laughs> through your song through your mando through whatever you need to do exactly and then you move on and that's, yeah, it's, it's a little it's, personal personal therapy for both of us way cheaper than therapy yeah it's the best man if I didn't have if I didn't have my podcast or my tunes I, I would be in that rubber room definitely or thousands of dollars in debt through therapy so yeah, yeah. it's great I guess that I know I said I was going to wrap up but I'm going to keep asking you questions yeah, so man. Go just deal <laughs> you had to follow Greta Christina virtual yeah. reality I don't have cancer talk yeah you had to follow JT Eberhard's I'm proposing to yes. my girlfriend will you marry me live on stage and now the comedy <laughs> stylings of someone you've never heard of is that why you emphasized your talk about the story behind the small comfort song um or I'm, did you do you always feel you really have to explain I where that comes explain from it, especially at an event like this and that, that song is about the loss of my, my pet uh, boxer dog um and I like to talk about it because it's a subject that doesn't get brought up that often at these kinds of meetings these kinds of conventions uh in atheist circles in critical thinking circles the idea of uh love and grief and loss doesn't get brought up that often and it's just as valid as anything else and it was actually hinted at in the two talks previous so I thought well I definitely gotta I mean I'll be doing the song anyway and it's just it, the rest of my performance is usually so sort of silly and and, and goofy and light and and humorous hopefully um that I like to sort of throw that in the end just to just to sort of show that there's there's other sides to to what I'm creating musically and also it's a cool subject and I'm very proud of that song and people connect with that song every time I play it people come up to me afterwards and, and they say that they just lost a pet or they you know whether it was this week or five years ago and it's still just as much of a, a trial or a moving a moving effort to kind of get through it and get past it and you know it provides just just a, a second of solace for some people and that's that's really awesome and cool it's it's the most real portion of my performance at any level um, without it necessarily being heavy because then right after that I get back to the silly stuff and wrap it up but it's just it's just something I like to do you're, you're speaking you're singing with true emotion without being sugary and sappy yeah. Th- yeah. this is Hopefully. what you felt Hopefully. yeah and that's that was a you know you as a songwriter you can appreciate that it's difficult to get into some kind 
kind of a heavier or truer or important emotion or idea without crossing over into the Hallmark card territory. It's a lot easier to write the snarky kind of fun song. Oh, completely, yeah. You know, the the punchline is easier because the punchline ultimately has, it's kind of a a binary problem. Like, either you make the joke or you don't, you know. Um, Whereas to relay some type of heavy or dark or important emotion without it being, you know, drizzled in, in, in pancake sauce, it's just, it's difficult. It's difficult. And, and you try to do it, and hopefully you succeed, and you see, you see how successful you are percentage-wise. And that song is pretty successful in terms of it relating the sense of loss and the sense of sadness without it being trite or, or treacly or whatever. You know. So yeah, and I, I always appreciated the artistic choice you made that you have that abrupt cutoff at the yeah. end of the song. And I've listened to that song for it's been out for a year now or so. Three. Yeah. Three years. Okay, that's right. Just time flies. I know. Uh, yeah. And I did. I it only just recently dawned on me that that is the moment yeah. that your dog passes away, and they don't hear those last words. Right. That I know you've talked about that you don't like to use the L O V E word because right. it's it's too common and it becomes too trite. Yeah. Um, but I it, it just recently dawned on me that that's what it was. Yeah. It wasn't just that you couldn't say it. It was that was the moment that's that you've been singing about the entire song. I liked I liked that you know, oddly interactive aspect that whenever you listen to that song for the first time, like when, uh, upon a first hearing, when it ends, it, it pulls you out of it all of a sudden. And everyone that listens to it, their eyebrows kind of raise. It's like, what happened? It's and very effective yeah, live. To be able to have someone say, what happened? You know, even on a recording, yeah. it's 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 a little bit of a trick, you know, and it's kind of a, a ploy in a certain way. But it's that exact sort of emotional impact, and yeah, and that's that last second where he doesn't get to he doesn't get to hear what I what I say, and and the impact is there, and the feeling of loss is there, and the feeling of what happened. Yeah, and I kind of kind of like that. We had so much on iTunes. I don't know if you heard the whole thing. No, I've, I've heard that. Okay, yeah, on iTunes they they, they removed it. Like, there's an error in the, in the thing. People have complained about it. It's wrong. So we removed it from iTunes. You have to get into iTunes. And be like, no, it's supposed to be like that. People write me emails like, oh my god, defective disc. You know, the last, second to last song ends abruptly. I'm like, no, that's the point of the song. It's supposed to be like that. And then once people get it, it's like, oh, okay. So when you f- sell the physical copies, now you have to big a put big red warning. A big sticker. warning. Yes, yes. A heart will wrench at end of track yeah, 15. Yes, yeah. <laughs> At least when you're playing it live, you don't have that complaint, but also right. you get to see everybody in the audience look There's at you breath. like, yeah. what? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. Anyone that's gone through it knows knows that. I, it's not identical in any way to what you feel, but in a performance setting to be able to relate that without saying, doesn't it feel like this? You know, and, and say, just do it and to just get that kind of sudden impact. It's 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 a bit of a trick, like I said, but it's it's effective. So if if you can use the trick in in a good way where you're not trying to be manipulative, you're right. trying to ex- express the emotion. Right. Right. It's not false. Yeah. Yeah. And it's rare that you get to do something that direct within the concept of a song. You know, that, that stopping the song can be 
so appropriate for the message you're releasing. I, I, earlier this year, I tried to do a trick in my my songwriting in that I wrote a song about kind of a huckster coming to town and trying to sell you all these wares and telling you all right. the fantastic things they'll do. And I wrote the chorus in 6-8 to show, you know, he's doing this sing-songy thing sure, and he, sure. you know, all pleasant. And then in the verse where he's rattling off this list of stuff he can do, yeah. it changes to 11-8. Okay, nice. And not ever being a drummer and being a guitar player, mm-hmm. originally and now mandolin, that was so tough for me to get that rhythm down. Sure. But that was that was the whole point of writing that song, sure. to be that trick, to say, he's keeping you off balance by right. listing things faster and faster. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, cool. But it's it's a bitch and a half to sing sure. because I am not a Gilbert and Sullivan patter baritone. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I, I wrote this fast song for myself, oh, and great. I know I can't do that. <laughs> so I've, I've only tried it a couple times live, and it always gets messy. Well, I want to hear it. I want to hear it at some point. <laughs> some point you will. Well, you know, we have a link to our SoundCloud. It's on there okay, somewhere. Um, What's the name of the song? Bunkum Comes to Town. Nice. It was actually inspired by the Gilbert and Sullivan, The Sorcerer. Okay. Sure. Where my name is John Wellington Wells, I sell you a cock and shells. So it's a lot of fun. Is there? Have you ever written something for yourself that you're like, this is how I want it, this is how it has to be, I want to do this trick or this, this inventive musical thing, and then realized, shit, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, every guitar part I've ever written, pretty much. Any kind of 2D fast... Uh, line that I write on guitar that I can kind of in the, in the yeah. confines of the studio take my time and do it uh, live since I'm not really a guitar player those are always a challenge and to have a real guitar player play my stuff would be great um, I stink at remembering lyrics and I write these books you know these novels of lyrics where you know the, the first line of the chorus is always the same and then the rest is different so you can't even like latch on to a oh I get so right. so humped all the time trying to remember lyrics uh, I'm getting better. I'm getting better at writing a little bit more concisely. But some of my, you know, my dad actually saw me uh, my, my lyric book once, and he was like, "Just like each song, it's like two thousand words. Like, what are you doing? Like, just just write a song, you know." There's a temptation there to be that innovative and creative thing who's going, who's breaking the the barriers of all songwriting that's right. ever been done before, right. Right. where you forget you can write an incredibly effective, very simple song. Oh, it's more as, difficult. Yeah, it's as much as, much as it can be tried to do something in a 12-bar blues. Sometimes that's the Sometimes best way to the vehicle tell you your story. Your point home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I know you've complained about the 12-bar blues before. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's context, and it's you know, in a certain setting, it works great. You know. Um, yeah, there's there's some things the efficiency of writing, uh, you know, that's something that you, you you hope for as you're as you're getting better at what you do, that you just become more efficient and you don't need to spout tons and tons of words to get your point across. You can do it in seven words as opposed to seventy, and that's that distillation, you know, where it's like a, a master painter that in a single line, or like a like a Japanese ink artist or something, in a single line can get across. And I, I mean a, a character. Drawn line, not a written, you know, verbal line. You can, in a 
swoosh and get across the idea of a person or a figure or whatever. That whole negative space thing. Negative space. That it's hard to do musically, but yeah, yeah. but but, it, but there's a there's a definite correlation to that kind of a thing of implying something and letting the listener then fill in the rest, you know, through their own experience. And again, without crawling at my own asshole, while talking about this kind of stuff. But it's a constant challenge, and you never do it as well as you should, but you hopefully do it better than you did. You know, so each step gets progressively somewhat somewhat more efficient, and then they're easier to sing. Some tunes all right, and it's like, oh, this is great. I can totally remember this. This is just like two verses, and, and like the chorus repeats itself. This is great, you know, as opposed to Brains, Body, Both. That is just, you know, yeah. seven pages of lyrics. And then you write one song that all you have to do is repeat. This is the way the world works. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's my easy part. Right? I just hand someone the lyric shit. You read this, I'll just do my part. Yeah, that's, that's the ultimate. Right. Well, I think we'll hopefully talk more songwriting sure. stuff when we can get my partner Gary in on the the, the show. Can we yeah. we can all talk together? He's actually followed an oddly parallel course to you. Okay. He's also kind of young forties, yeah. uh, bald, glasses, okay. drummer, nice. also plays guitar, wow. writes songs. Oh, nice. <laughs> we'll have to see if the universe I'll, I'll, if we meet each other. I'll be the odd one out in that conversation, okay. yeah. but it, it should be a lot of fun. Great. Sounds like fun. Thank you, George, and I hope you. Had a great Skepticon. I did. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next time. See you next time. Sweet. Thanks, man. Fun. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. There are no outtakes from this episode. Why are you still listening?